I am not a liar. At least not in this case. Oh, I know. Well, you got what you got to say. You say, ex-wife, I will not re-marry uh, you even though I want my money back. Does it work like that? Well, I know uh, uh, somehow it came up about uh, remarrying one of my exes one time, but I think she figured out I just wanted to remarry her for my money. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. Do you only have one ex-wife? I'm bad at math. Do what? I'm bad at math. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, mean, I got what, a question what, for yeah. you. Yes, sir. Another question. If you were wanting to get shot, where would you go? Like a medical shot or like an assassination attempt shot? Uh, yeah, with bullets. Oh, I would prefer not to get shot. Um, nah, you know, but if you had to, you know, it was one of those things that you didn't go somewhere to get shot that they were going to shoot you anyway. See, like, I, I, I would go to Texas. Because oh, 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 you have a yeah. really good chance of it. That's true. That's a that's a pretty practical. Uh, yeah, I'd probably definitely go to a, a state similar to Texas or a similar state where they claim to hate the federal government, uh, but then they are the largest receivers of uh, uh, you know. Uh, handouts from the same federal government they claim to despise. They are mooch leeches. That's true. Mooch leases. Mooch leases. Mooch leases. That, that's not entirely easy to say for me. Can you say it? Mooch leases. Well, I'd have to say it with an accent. I don't want people to think I'm inadvertently being culturally insensitive. Okay. Because it sounds a lot like something you would say after saying It's-a me, Mario! And you would say, you know, and people would mis mistake what you were saying for a famous painting. And I don't want to confuse people. I'm already confused. Luckily, I'm not a person. Fortunately not. Whoa, do you remember, uh, did you ever watch, I think I talked to you about this. Did you ever watch any of the Daryl Brooks trial? No. He was the guy that two years ago drove a truck that may or may not have been stolen into a parade crowd in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Yes, I'm familiar with that. And he, yeah, and uh, God, I'm trying to remember what the judge's name was, but she was, I don't know what they do, but the, 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 the you know, obviously she's very accomplished and professionally successful, but uh, if she was any hotter, the building would have burned down when she just was even near it. Um, but, uh, but his, his defense was, you know, the, that MAGA alt-right Trump, sorry, I realized I just touched my mic, um, thing of that he was a sovereign citizen and not subject to the rules of the United States of America, which again, why, why would a group of people that swear up and down that they, uh, ain't governed by no rules of the governing body of the United States would uh, pledge allegiance to the flag of an organization they claim to not have any relationship to and not be governed by. The well, questions we ask in the universe. I have an answer for that. 
is a little bit long-winded. Might take a bit. There's well, we've got we've got fifty-five more minutes. Okay. I'm already done. Okay, sorry. Well, that's a lot for them because it's got more than one syllable in the world. And uh, I, I, it's so funny that. Uh, well, funny in the way that a sorority girl would say, oh, my God, that's so funny. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I say that. I guess Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene never really went to actual colleges. And I guess they're a little more twangy when they say it. But well, They went to college. Um, you know, one of them as a prostitute and the other one to uh, get drunk. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, and I guess, well, I guess that's, um, well, I guess Lauren Boebert's fifteen-year-old daughter. I guess her boyfriend was in uh, in college yet when he knocked her up a few months ago. So, cheers to babies. Cheers to babies. Yes, yes. Yeah. Humans I couldn't imagine live longer. You know, I mean, ideally, having a new generation every fifteen years, given our time span of life, I think would benefit as you get into great grandparents who are relatively young and your your family can grow but a much better version of that is we just live twice as long instead of children having babies i just want to meet my great grandchildren you know that's all i'm saying well you're an exceptionally youthful person. I think that's that's very likely to happen. So. Um. Well, I might be. I mean, hope mentally be a few years, but yeah. But physically, I have uh, I have not maintained myself through many many bad for me things. Well, Brock Lesnar had the same. Uh, dietary gut situation that you had, so it's you're that in is, uh, that is one thing, re- yeah, you're in reasonably, reasonably well known company. It uh, yeah, the knees are shot. I uh, I was carrying a bunch of gear at uh, the CES in Vegas, and a, a guy who just had to get by me put his foot under mine. I fell down, and uh, man, I face planted right into a steel beam too. But uh, the hip is the hip pops now. Um, hip pop. I could be a rap artist, and uh, you know, diabetes. But anyway, I will enjoy what time I have. Let's put it that way. Are you scared to death? You worry about it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll count that as a no. Well, I don't, you know, everything that I feel like I've always would consider finger quotes being scared of, or just things that, um, I know we've talked about Joseph Campbell before in the hero's journey, but I just think there are things that inevitably is part of the growth process. Like, uh, you know, whenever the thing happened with my mom, I'm sure that's always, you know, when you're a kid or something, you know, losing a parent's a big fear you have. And, um, or friends of mine, I remember years ago, I don't remember who it was, but they, well, it might've been somebody I was either dating or married to, but they 
said something to the effect of, wow, I don't know anyone who has more friends who have died than you. No. You know. Well, that's a lovely thing to say to someone. Well, it was probably factually correct. Um, yeah, but I mean, you've got to bring a trophy or something if you're going to be talking that kind of junk. Well, I think after she spent all my money, I think that was her trophy in her mind. But, oh. uh, um, but I, I mean, I just feel like fear, and I'm not trying to kill people with, with worn out sayings, but I think fear in the same way would just be like the idea. It's just people, you know, fear things they don't understand or have not experienced. And so it's, uh, you know, un, unintentional ignorance. Uh, but I would also probably say with situations of relationships not working out or f- friends or family passing away or people you love or you're close with or business things or creative things not working out or any of that stuff. Um, I just think it's just an, an inevitability of a thing that's going to happen. And so, and again, you know, we don't know what's happening around the world, what's happening in the universe. We're just, you know, meat, meat bags. The gravity's holding down on, uh, holding down currently close to the planet. And a meteor storm could come in and wipe us out or some human created technology uh, could be used to, to wipe out humanity on the planet or something else could happen. And so I just really try to tell, you know, people and just share just the idea of make, make every day the best day you can because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And um, it's life's too short. I don't want to say life's too short to stay mad, but life's too short that you only have a finite amount of time of which you have any reasonable control over to invest into things. And I would, I try to, and I hope other people do just try to invest in good things and try to invest in, invest in relationships and, and, and creating things and happiness, which is half my frustration with, uh, uh, all this nonsense that we see coming out of Washington and, and, what some people have for uh, questionable reasons have tried to put into legislation that it's that they're not they're not meant to enhance people's lives they're meant to hurt other people and I think people need to evolve beyond the point where hurting other people valid they in their minds they think it validates their existence or gives them some level of happiness that they could not achieve through kindness and through sharing. And, um, so, but man, dying's trendy, you know, cause at some point everybody's going to do it. They're a bunch of copycats. Well, it's daggum communism from what I hear. I'm going to live forever. So far, so good. Hundred percent. Do you remember? Obviously, you do because it would have been your birthday. Do you? You know, like people talk about like iconic birthdays or all this. Somebody was telling me today that they, or maybe it was on NPR 
or maybe I heard it on NPR after they told me about it, but it was a thing where uh, that the new science, you know, let's all finger quote the new science, uh, says that uh, 43 is when um, uh, adult men start to finger quotes feel old. So uh, it's a good thing they told me, you know, right before that happens. Um, I, I feel good about that. I, I agree. I, uh, I remember uh, distinctly, you know, 44, I was like, okay, I'm not the same person I used to be. Yeah. Well, maybe. I, I mean, it could be, but I just feel like I finally, you know, in the last two or three years, finally feel like I gained a greater level of control over my consciousness and my physical body and was able to shed a lot of things and improve my physical health. And, and, uh, I, and I think I, I'm sure I've said this to you. I don't know if we were out somewhere. I may have said it. I feel like you have heard me say this before. Cause I'm, I've said it several times. I mean, I don't stand in the middle of the street and scream about it, but I didn't realize uh, until I lost weight. And it was probably like a hundred pounds most from the heaviest I was till I, till I got down Um, or maybe a little bit more than that, that uh, I didn't realize how much anger I had tied up in all that extra weight. And I didn't realize that literally it was, like emotionally and mentally and spiritually holding me down in addition to the physical physicalization of it. Um, and once that I went through that process of making that series of adjustments, uh, it, it, I mean, I guess obviously it did, you know, make changes to my, my DNA and my biological makeup or whatever but uh but it was a it was a an amazing uh I, and then i got to wear cool clothes that i could never wear you know that you'd see you see in magazines and tv but you could never wear them and then suddenly i could wear them which is the opposite of how i feel like my life had been up to that point um but it was amazing that just yeah how much anxiety and fear and stress and anger was wrapped up in in I mean, literally, it was like literally carrying around 100 pounds of anger. And So why did you um, lose weight? I know you stopped drinking, but why did you get fit? I remember I probably, uh, I think there were a number of factors, but I feel like the main ones that I can just recall off the top of my head was that I, I didn't feel like I was... I feel like I was disappointed in my performance and a lot of things I was doing maybe related to my career. And I just remember times that I really felt like I was on the ball uh, were times when I was really stuck in the starving artist thing. And then also roughly about the same time, I think I was 38. And I obviously, you know, as a, as a child free person, uh, remembered. Well, I think maybe also part of it was when I turned 35 and I was at the time dating somebody who also was 
I didn't realize she was 12 years younger than me when I met her. I mean, we were, you know, she was out of, had just gotten out of college, but I, you How know, she could you? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent consensually. Um, but, uh, anyway, but we both had, and I, I'm sure there's a term for it, but I just remember it being like a really kind of pivotal adjustment in life where you turn the age that your same gender parent was when you were born. Right. Uh, and we both had that within a, you know, two or three months of each other that I, you know, she turned the age and I turned the age. And, uh, and I, at some point remembered or just thought like that I have no plans of having children, but if I ever had kids, like my dad was a hardworking guy, you know, and was successful and, but he worked a lot and, um, I mean, he would show up for games and stuff, but he was not like a, and he would play catch and stuff, but he was just not a super, uh, he was never a hangout dude. Like he was a very structurally disciplinary person. Um, but I just thought if I ever had kids, I'd want to be able to do stuff with them. And I thought, which obviously is that, I, you know, I didn't have any, you know, if, if I knew how old my dad was when I was born, if my dad was 35, 34, 35, when I was born, whatever it was, uh, if I, I mean, like if I had, you know, I mean, I have no plans to get, I'm very happy, you know, very casually. <laughs> um, but I, but if I ever got married and had kids, I mean, that's probably something that even at this point would be two or three years away. So if I had kids in five years, like I'd be, I'd be 47, about to turn 48. You know what I mean? So by the time they got out of high school, I would be 60 something. Yep. Like 65. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought you'd want to, if you, you know, you want, you'd want to be able to do stuff with them, whether it's if they're playing soccer or playing basketball or whatever it is, or if they get into like a, like a, combat sport you know like wrestling or brazilian jiu-jitsu or what you want to be able to do stuff with them um and that was kind of my main thing and then i was also it was before i turned 40 and you know how like people before they have what are perceived to be milestone birthdays um especially because people used to be a lot older people didn't take care of themselves so when somebody and obviously people used to die, you know, of finger quotes, natural causes when they were 23. And that was considered a, an adult, you know, I mean, it still is, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, that obviously, you know, people are living longer and, and with, you know, the saved by the bell generation that everybody kind of looks ageless, you know? Um, oh, but then I was looking at, uh, uh, I was curious about, um, stem cells getting stem cell injections. And this is before like they were kind of available. Like you can go around here and get them now, but this is back before that. And I saw a doctor that has a clinic. I don't remember if he was in Panama or where he is, but he was on Rogan. And I think it was Mel Gibson's dad before even more racist nonsense came out of his mouth. But anyway, they were on there talking about this clinic and basically you fly down to, I think, I think it was Panama. It may have been someone else. But you had to be—you had to go outside the United States to get this level of treatment. Um, Indeed, but you it do. was unless you're rich, yeah. right? Well, but also 
just to go down there, you'd have to, I mean, it's a, it's a, it would be like a, you know, they fly down there, put you up, take you to the clinic, shoot you up with the stuff. You rest for a couple of days, fly back, but it was like $20,000 for, you know, and I didn't have 20. I mean, I, I, not for that. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And so I started looking around and I'm like, well, what's the closest thing to stem cell injections that can trigger the same kind of, uh, you know, you can, cell regeneration. And uh, I kind of discovered for me, clearly it existed and was a thing, but I had discovered intermittent fasting and all the benefits of ketosis. And, you know, when you're um, basically where the, the old ends of your DNA, where, basically where your body would, would uh, either break off and kill or eat your old the cells that were dying to rebuild new cells um, and that that was the closest thing to make your body literally reboot itself without having to have uh, outside stem cell injections put in. Uh, and so, and then to like, uh, you know, I'm working with a lot of nonprofits and stuff and working with, what we would obviously describe as, as traditionally disadvantaged communities and people, you know, situations where the food deserts. Um, and that I do attribute a lot to kind of a gluttonous American lifestyle that you can be more healthy eating one meal a day or eating within a window of a couple meals, a tighter window than people that just eat all day long because your body's never going to have time to digest the food healthily or health, you know, in a healthy, healthy way. Um, and it just, yeah, it just, it just changed my mind. And, and I just thought, wow. And it was one of those things where I was, cause you know, when you grow up in a religious thing and all this other stuff and you grow up kind of in quasi rural South where you're like, you're near a city, but you don't immediately live in the city and you're around a lot of folks who, unfortunately still have that multi-generational confederate guilt you know that anytime you work to achieve something or believe in yourself there's a community of people around you that have been conditioned to hate themselves and just want to shit on you and tear you down for trying to achieve things which is another reason people move away so they don't have to be around that kind of negativity mm -hmm. uh, and so literally because i'm a notorious late bloomer uh like it just took me a long time to figure out that I could do those things. And, uh, and I, yeah, again, just, you know, hashtag late bloomers, are the best bloomers and other, uh, leadership organizations I've been involved with that, um, were more authentic in ways that I think a lot of people try to, find direction or keys to self-improvement or self-value like through organized religion or whatever through some of these organizations uh mainly you know authoring action and uh hugh o'brien youth leadership I, I just was exposed to these ideas and these structures and they're not rocket science but i mean it's just really that you're a capable person i mean this is super super baby bites i'm saying here 
but basically, you know, you're, you are, uh, it's like, it's like the secret ingredient in Kung Fu Panda. You know, there is no secret ingredient. Whatever you need is already within you. You just have to find the keys to unlock it. Um, and I just happened to, cause I was so pumped full of bullshit my whole life. And, you know, everything is, you know, you're just conditioned this culture of, uh, you know, if you don't adhere to these religious beliefs, then you're going to be damned to hell for eternity and all this stuff. So if, you know, the person who's going to send you to hell, if you don't call him your Lord and savior, he's going to send you to hell. So if you pledge your eternal love and hey, thank come him on now, man, yeah, you yeah. know, unconditional means you're going to get burned in hell. That's what unconditional means. Absolutely. Well, that's like when the police pull you over and say, uh, now this is a voluntary action, but if you don't do it, we're going to automatically take you to jail. Yeah, we're having a consensual conversation. And uh, I have a gun. So you kind of tied back into what I was getting at. The fact that I don't think you lost weight and shed that burden you talked about. I think you reconciled the burden and that freed you to live healthier. Well, it may have, but I think, and it, again, it may have been where I had reached a stage in the reconciliation process that that was the next thing that, how that step had manifested. Um, right, right. But I don't, but you know, and it definitely may be, but, and that's a tough thing, but also something that I've kind of learned over time that it is the, that the, you know, I mean, we're all on the same journey, the hero's journey, everybody goes through it, but it is a cyclical, you know, like you will, you will finger quotes move forward, but you'll oftentimes run into similar scenarios. You just happen to have previously experienced various scenarios that have allowed you to uh, hopefully learn. Um, I mean, we all find ourselves in scenarios where we usually unintentionally would make the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, but hopefully we would eventually figure it out and stop making those mistakes. Um, and adjust our behavior to reflect our skill set and knowledge. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, that definitely, that definitely may have been what happened. Um, but I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it, we all go through cycles and I know when I was like in 31 or 32, like it's the first time I really got into walking. Um, and really where I would start doing like five miles a day or longer. And then it just kind of got to be. Um, five what? Uh, 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 eight, eight and a half kilometers. Um, uh, where I would just go out to be an adventure. <clears throat> and so, which is probably what I should get back to doing is just take your keys. Don't take a phone. Don't take a this. Don't take a that. Uh, 
but also in the nature of, you know, sometimes we just get in scenarios where we have to be in situations where we need immediate updates on things, but uh, where I would just go out and leave and would have no plan. I would just walk out the door and I'd yeah, either yeah. T- t- turn right or turn left. Right. And, and the uh, phone is a thing, man. The phone is an anchor. Now for you, you may need it at all times because of opportunity. Uh, in my job, after five o'clock and on the weekends, like if we're hanging out, you won't see me looking at my phone. If you, you can look around at everyone else and I'll be the one without the phone. And did it because I'm just as old curmudgeon is, I mean, I'm, I'm a tech guy, but it robs time. It does. People just scroll endlessly. You'll scroll through Facebook. You'll get to the end of it. Then you'll just do it again and see the same material. You know, and I do plenty of that. Uh, but uh, if I'm around people, I want to be around people. Yeah, well, and obviously we have not experienced, I mean, we've, we've, we, because from being, you know, kind of in the industry and stuff, like we are aware and we are probably heavily saturated at times. I think we've been good to avoid it and had at least the more negative aspects of it. Uh, With social media, but also, you know, it has become such a dilemma. I mean, the focus, obviously, when it's discussed uh, in the media, usually it's uh, on, you know, youth and specifically young, young women. Um, But I think it's, it does have a a really horrendous uh, detrimental effect on people of all ages who just see it and, and think that it's real you know, and that they don't understand how staged and artificial almost everything they see on social media is, especially if your finger quotes, you know, following an influencer uh, or a celebrity or, or anything like that. That's one reason, and I know we've talked about this. I know we have because the reasons we get into it. memory. That's it. Well, it's not very good. Um, uh, and I don't remember anybody's names, but uh, Hot Ones, why Hot Ones is such a good show. Uh, because it puts people in a situation where they have to have an authentic dialogue and exchange and commu- series of communications with someone. Also, with the uh, multiply by the stakes of hot wings with actually legitimately hot sauces. Um, so I think that's really the, the brilliance of that show is that it takes people who, and obviously if you're going to go on the show, you're probably chill and, and easier to it go is. along with. It, it, while you're regretting your current life decision, other regrets don't seem to be quite as profound. And you're far more likely to give a 
unfiltered, uh, unconsidered, or at least not overly considered response. And uh, on top of that, uh, there's just literally screw 60 minutes, whatever. That is the best researched show and best questions asked of any talk show ever. They are the apex. I, I don't know how they do it, but I hope they get paid because they deserve it. Well, probably a lot of Tums and saltwater detoxes every other day or the day after the show. Um, uh, yeah, but definitely a hundred percent. And, and I think they do an excellent job also of, and to, to, to your point that it is, the content is data driven and it is, uh, it's specific, you know, with the questions, but also it ex, ex, yeah, well, expounds on and engages in, you know, finger quotes, non-traditional areas or, or asks of things that you might not hear celebrities talk about. But the regular, you know, finger non-celebrities would talk about all the time with their friends and, and creates a, a human vibe to people that, you, you know, you might only see people fangirling or fanboying over in any other scenario. Who would you lose your crap celebrity wise to, uh, to meet? Cause I feel like I could hold it together no matter who it is. Like I would be want to be the person that if they chose to have a normal conver normal conversation, we could have it. Or if they just wanted some peace and quiet around other humans, they could have it. But there's one or two I'd probably not be able to hold it back. How about you? I don't know. I mean, I would certainly, I would be, I mean, there are people, I don't know if I'd lose my shit and, and all that stuff, but I would definitely, there are certainly people that I would love to discuss things with or pick their brains. But again, I'm fascinated from a, I would call it a technical standpoint, but just fascinated just to, I would want to hear about experiences or funny things on set or, you know, what was, when you were, when you were doing this scene, what was, um, what was your thought process? What was your subtext on this scene when you said this line, you know, things like that. I mean, I would, I mean, obviously, you know, we joke all the time about, you know, Florence Pugh or whatever. Um, but, um, I mean, obviously, like, you know, I think about people that I thought were really impactful when I was a kid. Um, when, as long as I can remember when I was a kid, I, I mean, and I'm very serious when I say this. And I think he's a, one of the, still to this day, will always be one of the most underrated, underappreciated people. But Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Since, since I was a kid, I just remember thinking, you know, he could just do things. And I remember watching interviews of him talk about things. And I always used to love watching inside the actor's studio because you would hear great stories as well. And he would talk about, and I try to tell people to do it a lot um, if it comes up, but you know, the, the functionality 
And I think Stella Adler had had him do it. But the, the, the functionality of having an activity, having a physical engagement to, and, I'm, and specifically like applying this outside of acting into everyday real life, which is, you know, one reason why men like to do things with their hands and women like to, well, I guess all genders do or gender identities do, but yeah, a, a physical engagement activity. And for some people, it's gardening, some people, it's sports, some people, it's uh, tinkering or, you know, any, any number of things. But the idea of having a, a physicalized activity to uh, almost let your body kind of separate from your mind or your soul so you can gain rest uh, mentally and be relaxed. And so your body's doing something. So it does. And I guess gaming is the thing that kind of does that. I mean, some people get super involved, but you know, like your, your body, your brain can go off other places and uh, readjust itself and relax itself. But you're, you're physicalizing an activity to, to get to that point, you know, and I think a lot of people uh, probably, especially like, uh, I mean, actors do it too, especially, you know, stage actors, especially, but, but I mean, film acting also, but it's, it's a different experience, you know, but I mean, stage acting, the process of, you know, you get to the place, you sign in to say, you know, that you showed up and I hate getting dressed early. Like I wait to the last possible minute to put my, whatever the costume thing is on. I just, cause I can't, cause I lose my momentum if I get dressed early and it throws off the whole rhythm, right. but just the, the practice of getting dressed and the, the, uh, almost the, the, the ritual of that process just to clear your mind and get into the zone. But I think in his case, he talked about, he was doing a scene from, uh, not from raging bull, but he was something related to boxing, but he, his mind went back to when she talked, talked to him about this, going back to, uh, when he used to lace his boots up in the gym, when he was an amateur boxer growing up, I mean, obviously he got back into boxing, you know, in the nineties. Uh, between movies but just to have that have that calming experience of physical activity i think he and i was a big when i was a kid a big fan of uh and i feel like we somehow this came up so i was talking to somebody about him the other day but Kiefer sutherland came up um but i I definitely be fascinated you know like uh Judd Nelson, I'd always be fascinated about because you know he'd done the breakfast, he'd done the Brat Pack movies, Breakfast Club, Saint Elmo's Fire, but then did New Jack City, you know, and and I think to this day he and Ice T are still friends, and um, you know, Ice T had said something about you know Judd Nelson's the coolest white mf'er I've ever met in my life, you know, um, so I'd definitely be fascinated by that. But then people, I would say they drift into obscurity, but it's almost like the same thing that just happened with Brendan Fraser where it's like everybody's got that talent, not everybody's got the talent, but like people that you see have these great, amazing uh, comeback stories and all this. Like there's tons of people who could have equally amazing comeback stories. They just happen to not yet have that scenario or that situation to, uh, we were talking the other day about Kip Winger. I feel like at some point, you know, or Richard Marks or somebody that, people kind of deride now um you know morris morris days coming to play in winston in august I, i'm trying to figure out what i'm gonna do about tickets for that but i mean there's just tons of great people that are just exceptionally talented i think that's the great thing about 
North Carolina and, and between here and Atlanta and D.C. There's just such, such an exceptional talent pool that one of the perks about, despite our legislature's despite best our efforts to kill our film industry, uh, is that when the jobs come here, the same thing with any other industry in North Carolina, just about when the companies bring the jobs here, generally speaking, specifically talking about arts and entertainment right now, there are qualified people to hire for those jobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and our friend uh, that, that, that works in the film industry full time, uh, you know, that he mentioned the thing, that it is a lot, a lot of times that it is an investment thing when people make a lot of one-off movies and a lot of stuff that would show up on Netflix. Um, You know, unfortunately their goal is not to make a good movie. It's just to make a movie. So, you know, they'd say, here's a couple million dollars. Give me two movie stars. Give me an hour and a half movie. Just, just make a movie. Not concerned if it's good, you know, and, and, you know, it's tough. Uh, I think there was a thing. Oh yeah. Uh, so, so this week is economic development week. And so North Carolina, CNBC ranked North Carolina, uh, for 2022 state of the year for business by business facilities magazine. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's so let me reread this. It's economic development week. In uh, 2022, North Carolina was ranked the number one state for business on CNBC, uh, won the Prosperity Cup from Site Selection Magazine, Platinum Shovel Award by Area Development Magazine, and State of the Year by Business Facilities Magazine. People, some people that live here, and some of them have been elected to our legislature and then to, to certainly to local office, do not understand the amount of threads you have to weave into being a competitive business friendly area. And they think that it's right. only about, and, and number two, they don't understand incentives, which would explain why the same people that want to slap themselves on the back and say, we're number one for business and money and capitalism don't understand the process you have to go through one in, what incentives actually are but um but they for whatever reason you see how nice i am i'm saying for whatever reason and not ascribing motive uh for whatever reason they are currently engaging in proposed legislation to attack groups of people uh under the premise of nonsense things that aren't real about whether it's a anti-drag law or, or trying to destroy women's autonomy over their own bodies. Um, which also relates back to the drag thing because part of drag, and we've talked about this before drag, the definition of drag is dressing in the clothing traditionally assigned to the other gender. So if they're serious about this, you know, the people that are going to say, uh, 
drag performers, AKA people dressed in other clothes that it's, you know, that they're, they want to have it uh, labeled as a public sex act and all this stuff. You know, they're not serious. You know, they are being intentionally fraudulently dishonest because if they were serious, women, especially women who are members of their party that vote for this bill would never be allowed to wear pants again in public. And, uh, powder puff football games, which they all think are hilarious, would be made illegal. Anybody who engages in it would be arrested for engaging in a public sex act. And so what are you going to do in all these fraudulently fake macho communities where they like to get put together for the powder puff football? So they do this. Are you going to arrest every single one of the people on the football team that dresses up like cheerleaders and puts on makeup and skirts and pom-poms? Are you going to arrest all their parents for actively letting their children engage in what have been deemed public sex acts? Are you going to engage all the cheerleaders who, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 birthed as female, you know, people that identify as female, uh, dressing up as males to play football? Are you going to arrest all those people, every single one of them, because if this thing is going to pass, all that stuff's going to be against the law. It's all going to be considered a public sex act. And if they're serious about it, they need to arrest every goddamn one of those people. Otherwise, it's a fraud and they're just lying to themselves. They're lying to the voters and they need to be voted out of office if they're going to perpetuate this myth. But to get to circle back to that, arts and entertainment is a huge component of quality of life. Places all around the world. And in America, people don't have this preposterous fake outrage about drag. Uh, that the posturing nonsense that 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 is unfortunately being engaged in by people who I'm who know better and are smart people, so they know better than to, to be doing this. Um, well, they, what don't what don't they lie about? Is there a single conservative issue that they talk about that isn't bullshit spin? Well, I I'd try to rack my brain, but I was mostly thinking about one yeah. of the people that sponsored the bill. You know, the same thing that is outlined in this claim about drag performers is the same thing people still still say about people that are in interracial relationship and he has people in his family that are in interracial relationships and i just think that's the, you know and he's not a bad guy but and he's done great things for the community but this is nonsense and i think again he knows better they all know better and it's at some point it's not a question of knowing better it's a question of doing better and sometimes you have to and I know they want to get reelected, but sometimes you have to explain to your constituency they're wrong and that they don't know enough and they're making uninformed decisions because they're choosing to wallow they're not, in their ignorance. They wouldn't. They well, once they're told what to think, then they're militant about it. You know, uh, I mean, Fox News is going to crash and burn, especially after that. They have to pay out double what they gave Dominion. And other lawsuits they have uh but 
firing Tucker is is going to kill him. I love that because the next place that hires him is going to face the same, you know, inevitable conclusion. But he'll probably go on his own. I don't know. Well, Patrick Maybe Bet we'll David. Spotify pick him up. What's that? Will Spotify pick him up? Uh, well, probably because they're running a business, and he's and he's got a. Uh, he'll have sponsors, and that'll that'll be a revenue generator for him. And you know, at some point, when when people are going to do anything they can to try to compete against AI. They got you know sometimes you got to throw a piece of shit against the wall to make it stick and he's he happens to be that I mean again my a lot of my concern with him and I'm completely serious when I say this is I have a great amount of concern for I've never met them and I part of me doesn't care at all but I mean generally speaking I think it's cruel and unusual and I think it is abuse. Um, as a per as a child free person, uh, the same way that Ted Cruz's behavior led to his daughter engaging in self harm, uh, I don't. It, it seems like an inevitability that at some point the embarrassment and shame that Tucker Carlson would bring on his family would be a primary motivating factor for someone in his family, possibly one of his children, to, to, to engage in potentially fatal self-harm. And uh, he's 100% responsible for that. It's not anybody's fault that responds to him because the people that respond to him typically don't want to see a bunch of bullshit nonsense, and that's his business, is intentional, fraudulent communication of lies and, and, and non-facts. Non um, I mean, it's should, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world child if child services showed up and took the kids out of, you know, a lot of these, these households. Uh, and it's not polit politicalization or politicization of on our, on, on a, on a concerned person's viewpoint, because it's, it's, there's proof. People say, oh, it never happens. Well, look at father of the year, Ted Cruz at a hundred percent happened. His daughter well, I got some in future news for you. All right, about. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <clears throat> um, Tucker Carlson will run for office. Now, there's not as much money in it, but if he can accept the amount of money he has, I could see him making a run for the White House. And he would have rabid support. Because, you know, they all have rabies. Yeah, that was my, that was actually my thought when I said that. Just a little, uh, little premonition. As in future news is. What, uh, but do you think, I mean, do you think he would be the guy that Trump would try to pull on? Uh, you think Trump's going to run third party if he doesn't get the Republican nomination? Yes, without a doubt. He'll do it out of spite. Because he would rather sink the ship 
and not be the captain of it. I think if he took Carlson as his uh, VP, damn. I just want everyone to know that I accept full responsibility and blame if that happens. And I probably should be murdered as a witch. Well, in all fairness, the only people that would try to kill a witch are the people that would vote for uh, those two a-holes. Yeah, but if there ever was a time when it would be appropriate, I think it's this one. And while I'm not afraid of dying, I don't like the idea of being burned alive. Yeah, that'd be bad news. I will say there was a time... And I don't want to get specific because it would sound like bullshit if I heard somebody else say this. There have been scenarios where I think you need to put other people's safety ahead of yours. Oh, yeah. I'll just say that. Uh, So, I mean, within the last calendar year, there were a couple times where I really had to... I mean, not externally that I was communicating it to other people, but just internally, like, really, like had a very heightened awareness of sorry there's a very loud school bus that was going on outside um just a very heightened awareness of it is your responsibility and in, in a leadership capacity as the person who's the head of this event and plus being a child-free person without a spouse and blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that, that the safety of your ambassadors and your volunteers is your priority. And, you know, you need to, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, uh, but I'm not, but I'm not doing that anymore. I mean, I'm not involved in that capacity anymore. So I don't think it's my responsibility anymore. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel like it'd be a lot easier if it was in some way, in some way to serve or protect other people. But obviously, you know, preferably it wouldn't just be. Yeah, but you still don't want to burn to death. I don't want to do that. Man. Shit, no, I'm not a witch or a warlock. Do you ever? I can't you know, believe that is exactly. That is exactly what a witch or a warlock would say, though, isn't it? Oh, I don't know about that. Um, but Julian uh, Sands. I heard that tone. They never found Julian Sands. I don't think. Let me. Man, it is quick. weird how many people you've brought up celebrities that I have had. Uh, there's a, either been a meme about, or there was an interview with on on YouTube. Like four of them today, and I mean, how often does that dude come up in conversation? But there was a picture of him I saw like three minutes ago. Oh no, Here. kidding! No kidding. Yeah, yeah, dude, he was great. I mean, 24, one of the great things about 24 was similar to like the thing with Law & Order SVU where they or regular Law & Order too, Law & Order Prime, where they would just bring people on in unique capacities. And 24 did an amazing job because I feel like Julian Sands was such a, uh, I hate the word classy, but just was like such a such a refined kind of elegant niche that he fit into. Like even if he was doing some, but he's always had just such a, again, I hate the word classy, but I don't know what other word to use. 
but he just had this aura and this air of what, but he was obviously a super chill dude if you ever watch interviews. But I feel like most people, I, and I guess he played uh, Jor-El, which is funny because that's kind of, I think should be my, my nickname. Um, but, uh, but he played Jor-El on, I think, the Smallville show, but I, but I never watched Smallville. I just happened to know he was on it. But other than that, 24, I think, is the only place most American audiences would know him from, you know, because I guess he did the Warlock movies in the 80s and a couple other kind of Euro sensual psychological thrillers and stuff. But, but, uh, but it was tough because he was, he just always had such a great, je ne sais quoi, as the French would say, just this, you know, like we just think of cool, but you couldn't figure out why. Like he was one of those dudes, you know, like I guess. Yeah, he was smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost bond smooth in a way. Yes. He, yes. A hundred percent. Did you ever see, did you watch, were you, were you into Highlander, the TV show at all? I don't know. There can be only one. That's true. That's true. Um, Adrian Paul, I always thought would have just been, could have done, but he was, but he looks so much like Sean Connery, you know, a young Sean Connery, but Adrian Paul, I thought could have done an, an exceptional job as James Bond, but. I don't know if he ever got close to that. I didn't vote for him. Well, but he was great, man. He was well. He did, you know. He did. He did a, a at least one movie. I think he's in a couple movies with our with our friend. And I was in one of them. I never met him, but I was in one of them. For oh, five seconds, cool. like most brand name movies that I've been in. You, you know, you might see me for five seconds and I get killed off screen. Um. Which used to be a great drinking game when I was when that was my when that was my vibe. I died four times in a movie once. I was in that movie. You were. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was in. We were in a movie. No, that we that movie. That movie specifically. Uh, that day we were shooting in Raleigh near the at that airport out on the runway. Yeah. And uh, I basically, spoiler alert, not that anybody couldn't figure this out if they had ever seen YouTube, but basically I was just doing my Iron Sheik impression. Right, right. Right. And, uh, and so I had, and so I wrote my character name for the thing as whatever the Iron Sheik's real name is. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Anyway, but then they put my name in the thing as something else. And I was like, man, that's a, that's a drag. That's a drag, which might be illegal soon. So I'll just say it as much as possible now. That was a drag, which means it was glamorous. But uh, anyway, do you think they're going to outlaw Mrs. Doubtfire in North Carolina once, uh, if that thing passes? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. I wonder if people, God, you know what would be fascinating would be if, uh, if that passed, if a bunch of militant right-wing groups started suing cable providers or suing uh, or would launch, launch like these nonsense parents' rights campaigns uh, against the legislators because legislators were not going after cable systems for uh, blocking off... Um, blocking channels that showed 
you know, Mrs. Doubtfire or uh, uh, Some Like It Hot or, you know, uh, Victor Victoria or other things I can't think of the name of. But, or uh, one. Under, uh, under Siege. Spoiler alert, the great Gary Busey uh, goes drag for five minutes in Under Siege. Spoiler alert. He does. He does indeed. I'll tell you what would be amazing, and I, I've probably said this to you before, I'm sure off screen or off off air. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character in Under Siege is badass. I mean, he's like, because Tommy Lee Jones is, I mean, he's a crotchety old man now, but he was just like the coolest dude in the world in, in uh, Under Siege. But that character that he played, I feel like you could get a series of movies whether they're, I guess nobody goes to the movies anymore, but like on Netflix or streaming service, but like it was the possibilities for that character of like a dude who had served in Vietnam, had been overseas, had been in Beirut, had, you know, been in Libya and all these Southeast Asia, you know, that literally was the, the spy who, did everything for his government and then decided to make his government pay, you know, like he sacrificed everything. And then they, and then the CIA sent, you know, a wet works team down to get him. Um, which I guess is, 006 did the same thing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, and Sean Bean, that was so great, you know, because obviously Sean Bean had, 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 was somebody they they had in mind for Bond? Did you ever have you you've seen uh, Skyfall? Yes. One of my favorite fan theories that I probably have said this to you off air is that, and obviously it's not uh, been substantiated or anything, but just a fun idea, fan theory. Like I've never subscribed to the whole James Bond is a code name thing just because i don't like that for the literary i like the literary thing that it's a guy having experience and obviously we have individual universes now but um similar to the 006 thing i always loved the the fan theory that javier bardem's character is subversively meant to be Pierce Brosnan's or a version of James Bond. Okay. Because everything about well, say what? Go ahead. Not go ahead. No, I was gonna say because a lot of things about his character's backstory, you know, about being stationed in Hong Kong and all these different things are I, well, I don't want to say roundaboutly specific because that would sound like it was general, but are very uh, lined up with missions and things that Pierce Brosnan's James Bond tenure had done, and and to the point of you know he gets he gets uh, uh, caught and imprisoned, and that's a big plot point why he goes rogue and goes off on his own. Which obviously is the is the main uh, is the beginning of die uh, die another day, you know. Uh, which you could, I guess, people oh, could. Crap. What's that? 
we have to cut this off, man. Oh, my Lord. I have, I have to shower. I just want to say one last thing. I am the Sean Bean of North Carolina Film. Uh, I think I've died in everything I've been in. Well, and when people see you near Nicolas Cage, they think you're Triple H. So, yeah. All right, man. I will uh, see you tonight. All right, brother. And uh, for all of those of you listening and uh, around the world, happy uh, Tuesday, May 9th. Indeed. Indeed. Later, man. All right, later.